0: What's happening, Felony Friday fans? This is John Odermet here, and before we start the show today, I wanted to take just a minute to let you know of a way that you can support the show and help spread the message of liberty. You can do this by visiting igniteliberty.us and ordering a Make Liberty Great Again hat. By now, I'm sure you're all aware of Donald Trump's campaign, Make America Great Again. You've seen the hats, you've seen the bumper stickers, you've seen it everywhere, Well, you can't make America great again without first making liberty great again. Liberty is essential to prosperity. And unfortunately, at this point in time, the majority of Americans favor policies that would infringe upon our individual liberties. And this absolutely has to change. And there is no better way to start a conversation, no better way to get that in than by having a stylish hat. Somebody sees it, sees you wearing it into a bar at the grocery store, and they say, oh, make Liberty great again. That's an in for a conversation right there. So please consider visiting IgniteLiberty.us. Purchase a Make Liberty Great Again snapback hat. We have two different designs and they are sure to catch attention. Now, there is an exclusive deal for Lions of Liberty podcast listeners. Just enter code LIBERTY at checkout for 10% off your order. And the profits from that order will go right back into this podcast. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to your favorite weekly Friday show, Felony Friday, right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is the show where each and every Friday we bring you a brand new podcast that shines a light on the broken criminal justice system. And during today's show, I will be welcoming into the show, into the lion's den, I guess you could call it, another member of the Lions of Liberty to talk about some felonies trending in the news, some stories that have been getting some press in the uh, the media news cycle. So before I do that, I'll get to introduce my guests in just a minute. Before I do that, I do want to share with you guys where you can find the show notes. And it's going to be very important for this show because we're going to be talking about three different news stories. So you can find links to each news story. This is the 39th episode of Felony Fridays. That means you can find the show notes at lionsofliberty.com FF39. It's real simple. 39th episode, FF39. Check it out for sure. And you guys definitely know my Felony Friday guest today very well. He's a familiar voice. He's been on many a podcast, from uh, Rand Paul pluses and minuses to roundtables to LILDLs, and to most recently, he is the founder and creator of Mr. Johnson's Libertyhood. Yes, none other than Brian McWilliams. Brian, welcome. Hello there. Good to be back. Hi, everybody. Let's talk felony. It's great to have you back on Felony Friday. This
1: is your, what, third time on the it show, I think it's my third. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Close enough. I'm a
0: third-time offender. Third-time offender. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> three strikes. Three strikes. Three God strikes damn
1: you, now. Bill Clinton.
0: <laughs> you can find Brian's previous two episodes. I think it was episode nine and episode 16. I will link to them in the show notes. We talked about, I think on nine, we talked about some hate crimes yep. and on... 16, I think we talked about the dark web. So some very interesting stuff. So go back. If you haven't heard those, go back and check those out. So, Brian, I mean, what's been new with you? Have you noticed any felonies in the news that have jumped out to you? Well, I'll bring up
1: one that really... Well, honestly, I'll bring it up because it's close to where I grew up. I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And uh, Ben Salem is not you know right around the corner from me, but it's in Bucks County. And I grew up in Yardley, Morris, which is also Bucks County. But... This is the latest police department that has started doing this awful, awful, awful practice, which I don't understand how it's constitutional, of instead of just doing the stop and frisk, they do the stop and swab. And by that, essentially what they're doing is even if you haven't committed a crime or done anything wrong, they stop you or they see kids like the instance they talk about in this specific article I saw. There's these kids pulled at the side of the road, they're just hanging out or doing something, just being 15-year-old morons, 16-year-old morons. And a cop pulls up behind him and, you know, goes up to the car. And I guess they had, maybe the back door was ajar or somewhat. And this kid's doing nothing. They're not drinking. They're not smoking. He says, hey, kids, you know, uh, what you doing tonight? Oh, nothing, officer. Just hanging out. And he goes, okay, great. Which one of you wants to give me a DNA sample? And they're like, what? Uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. One of you, you know, which one of you wants to give me the sample? So one 15-year-old kid volunteers, and he sticks a, a cotton swab in his mouth and rubs it around, and he has his DNA, and he goes home. Of course, the kid's father finds out about this, is enraged, as any parent should be, and asks how it's possible that this stuff is going on. And what tends to have happened, it's not just in this specific area in Ben Salem, but this has been going on all over the place now all these police departments are starting to swab kids and swab adults and swab anybody they can, even if they're not suspected of any crime whatsoever, just at any given time, they can be like, Hey, you know, can we give you a swab? And if you consent to it, you have to sign a form. Although of course, when these kids did it, it was implied that they had to do it. It wasn't optional.
0: I don't know if, uh, yeah, the signing of the form, I think that that happens sometimes, but I think a lot of the time they're just, just asking, and if individual says yes, then they're taking the swap. Yeah, well, I
1: think maybe if you're if you're a minor, maybe you have to sign the form. If if you're an adult, maybe you don't have to sign a form. It's just given to you. But it, it's crazy what they're doing because they're making their own databases. These outside of the, F- it's not just the FBI criminal database. They're the own, they're private laboratories which don't have the same standards mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it's crazy to me that they can do this kind of stuff and that you know it's not a, a mass outrage about it.
0: It's absolutely terrifying and the, the example you brought up of these five teenage kids sitting in a car and the one kid volunteering to give his sample he thought that he had to give the sample. It's terrible because kids are taught to you know look up to cops and respect cops. There's a certain amount of, of trust there you know cops come into schools and they teach you about how to behave right and not to do drugs and most parents today teach their kids that cops are good and unfortunately, there's a lot of cops that aren't good and even worse than that, unfortunately, in an instance like this, there were police officers plotting how to take children's DNA. These kids were, I think, 15 years old, and the police officer essentially tricked them, tricked one of them. Luckily, it wasn't all five into giving up DNA. And thankfully, the the father found out about this, and I think after a year-and-a-half-long battle, yeah. was able to get it destroyed. But it was, it was a whole ordeal to get it destroyed. It's just crazy. And if you guys haven't listened to... I think it was episode number 22, and I'll link to it in the show notes with Erin Murphy, who is an expert on DNA uh, forensic analysts, and she told a couple of pretty pretty disturbing stories about how DNA evidence is not exactly that reliable. Uh, one that comes out to me, and I'll just you know tell very quickly. If there's just more details in the episode of an individual who committed a crime, and then they got sick or they were hurt, and they went in an ambulance. Then the next person who got in that ambulance, they used the same equipment and hooked them up to it. And sure enough, when the police officers went to investigate the crime and they swiped for you know, for DNA, they found this person's DNA and they were able to link the second person that the DNA transferred, transferred from one person to the other within the ambulance. It's just not, it's not a, a lot of people think DNA, it's like 100% science. There's, you know, it's foolproof, nothing can go wrong. That aspect of it, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also, you know, like you mentioned, the it's not even and, – and those are,
1: you know, supposedly the, you know, higher level police databases, or FBI databases. These are cops that are taking swabs that are just going to private labs, which have been proven they don't even stand up to the standards that the FBI uses. So these cops are cross-referencing who knows how the samples are treated. Who knows if they're actually valid. Who knows if any of this stuff – is even appropriate to use because you don't know how it's being handled. You don't know if the standards are high enough to even use any of it. So it's just crazy to say, yeah, we're gonna massively try to get everybody into this system. And by the way, I don't understand even if you have a warrant for somebody's arrest or a warrant to do something, how it's possible to have somebody to say that legitimately you can take somebody's cells or take
0: somebody's blood or a part of them without their permission. Doesn't that seem insane? It is insane. And that's part of the problem here is there's there's no laws around this yet. As you were saying, the FBI database is more tightly regulated. And I think it does matter a little bit state to state on what they allow to go to the FBI database, if, it, if it's just a conviction or if it's a charge or just certain types of crimes. But at least there's, you know, an arrest of some kind, which is something minimal. Someone's actually not that I'm agreeing with it, but at least they've you know done something. They're, they've been arrested for a crime. You know, maybe they haven't been convicted of the crime, which, you know, you shouldn't be taking someone's DNA. I would argue maybe you shouldn't be taking someone's DNA at all. But it's better that you're taking on a convicted rapist or someone than just a kid walking down the street. Yeah, it gets tricky in that. I
1: agree. It does get tricky in that point of view. That's what people will argue against as they say, well, if it's a rapist and the DNA conviction. But I still I I understand that standpoint. And but from a strictly rights point of view, I, I still think it's insane that you can Force somebody to say, "Give me part of your body," <laughs> no, against their will.
0: Yeah, I think it's insane too. And in the ideal libertarian society, I don't think anyone should have to give up their DNA. I don't care what crime they've been convicted of. Yeah, um, just, I agree. Hey, just if you, you
1: know, what if you suspect them uh, and you got you got a warrant, just follow them around. Some will fall off them eventually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's exactly libertarian, but yeah. well, I'm just
1: saying if you have a warrant, you can legally follow somebody at least, you know, the cops can investigate them. <laughs> so better that than stabbing somebody with a needle or jamming a toothpick or a, a, a uh, cotton swab in their mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think with this, the only way it's going to change is some poor soul is going to you know get swabbed when they're just walking down the street And then they're going to get tied up in a crime because their DNA was transferred to a scene. They're going to end up in jail and then it'll get up to the Supreme court. And then they'll finally talk about this. And hopefully that's when they'll make a ruling that, you know, these private, you know, these police, these small cities can't just collect DNA willy nilly and pass it on to private databases. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's freaking crazy and it's, it's really scary. And kids out there, if you're listening or parents tell your kids, Do not give up your freaking DNA to a police officer. The first thing you should do, and you can listen to my episode 34 with Eddie Craig, when primarily we talked about what you do when you get pulled over. But he said, you know, if if you get in a situation with a cop and you can't get out of it, do not be afraid to call a lawyer. You can always, I mean, you have a right to call a lawyer right there. So if a cop is demanding your DNA and you say no, and they threaten to arrest you or something, say, I'd like to call my lawyer. And if you don't have a lawyer, uh, just any lawyer is probably better than no lawyer in that situation because yeah, at the very Rico. least it, it'll probably deter the cop, and you might just get to get to walk away. Yeah, reach out, post
1: in the Lions Liberty Forum. Maybe Rico can give you some uh, some quick advice if he's looking on his Facebook.
0: There you go. Yeah, that just as soon Lizer. as it, while you're conversing with the cop, just open up your phone, pull up the Lions <laughs> Liberty Forum, and contact Rico. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Which welcome, I like that,
1: it's free advertising. <laughs> yeah, better than his billboards he puts up for ambulance chasing. Uh, I like that. By the way, la- last quick thing uh, I want to say about this, but I like how the, all this effort goes into you know parents having have the talk with your kids about sex, have the talk with your kids about liberty and rights. Yeah, that's a damn
0: good point. It's it's should be one, of the, one it. of the first talks you have with your kids before you send them off to government-controlled schools. If, exactly right. If you have yeah, to they're going to be exposed
1: to more horrors of governmental control than they are to uh, to Wangs in all likelihood.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> with that, let's move on and talk about heroin in Canada. That was a smooth transition. Right. All right. So the Canadian government, and this is kind of, I think there's some good and some bad here, but we'll we'll kind of work our way through this. So recently, the Canadian government, they've approved new drug regulations that are going to permit some doctors to prescribe pharmaceutical grade heroin to treat. It's kind of a narrow definition, not really defined, but they say severe addicts, severe heroin addicts could get this type of treatment. Now, the government says that this kind of treatment will be available for only a small minority of users. And in cases where traditional options, I guess traditional options would be like a methadone clinic or, or something like that are proven ineffective. So they don't really talk about how they're going to decide how to do that. But it's another option, which I think that alone is a good thing. I think sort of where this thing seems like it's maybe not good is that, you know, the reason there is a large heroin epidemic in in the United States, but we're talking about in Canada you know, they do have heroin problems in Canada as well, is because of drug prohibition. So you get you know people going on the black market, it's more dangerous, you're less certain of the, the potency, less certain of what it's cut with and all those things. So you get a type of heroin that could kill you or, or something mm-hmm. like that. So this doesn't really solve the problem. It kind of seems to me like they're trying to fix a government-caused problem with a government solution that is just very narrow and... Is this is just applicable only to, you know, in certain instances. What, what do you think of this, Brian? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head in that it's a very narrow
1: application. And that's where it really aggravates me because anything, even though obviously I think that drugs should just be, you know, you get them and do them over the counter and whatever. The fact that only some doctors can prescribe it, I think is ridiculous. I mean, look, if a doctor has it, he should be able to prescribe it. Any doctor should be able to prescribe it, just like any other medication that's out there. I don't understand why they're saying, oh, only some, what, only specifically expert drug-trained drug psychiatrists slash doctor hybrids. Like, who are these magic doctors that are able to prescribe it? That's
0: crazy. Who are these witch doctors? And I mean, it's, (laughs) it's a good thing in the fact that maybe this will save someone's life. You know, maybe someone where no other treatment was working You know, if they're able to get some prescription grade heroin that, you know, doesn't, you know, turn them into a completely, you know, I don't know, whatever heroin, whatever heroin does to you, zonks you out. Nothing to Keith Richards doesn't do anything for what I've seen. All the evidence, all
1: the evidence I've read about in the book, uh, something on Main Street, whatever it's called.
0: (laughs) I'll have to check that
1: book out. Exile on Main Street. Great, great book. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you could buy that book through at uh, Lions of Liberty through our Amazon banner at lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon. So read about nice. Keith Richards and uh, help the Lines of Liberty out. It'll be great. Yeah. Get that plug in. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, it could save lives. and it,
1: Because look, I mean, heroin addicts, you can die from withdrawal. I mean, that's not even a, a question. So it's good that people that aren't responding to methadone can get it. Great. Again, I don't know why it's only some doctors that can prescribe it. But the other issue I had with it is that I don't understand why they have to go. Like you mentioned, they had to go through a certain procedure or something to get it right. It wasn't just up to the doctor to say, oh, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your medical history. I see you've been in methadone clinics and it's not working. Here you go. Here's
0: some heroin. That's the part that wasn't really defined. In the article, they talk about, they actually talk about a couple different, um, I think two different clinics. One of them actually has been operating since 2005 and had been you know, prescribing heroin to patients. And I think they were doing it illegally, or there was some sort of loophole that they were using to do it. Because mm-hmm. I know the the previous government in Canada, the previous president was very conservative, and was trying to have them shut down. And this law, the genesis for this law, legalizing this, you know, to a very small portion of heroin addicts as a treatment, kind of stemmed from that pushback from the conservatives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cause
1: that's what it is. Yeah, you mentioned it was like a uh, I guess a trial run of this thing. But yeah, I, I don't understand yeah. why that's just, I say, let, you know, why are you doing it this small sample? Just, just let everybody try it. Let everybody do it and see what happens. You know <laughs> what? You're the government. You can always make it illegal later.
0: Just give out some free government heroin to everyone. What could go wrong? What could it's, go it's, wrong? I guess it really is
1: government heroin.
0: <laughs> free I heroin like, from the government.
1: <laughs> throw it out in baggies on the sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, look, it definitely has drawbacks, as you said, but it's a step in the right direction. Now, I, I guess overall, I, I like it. I like that they are taking the step to do it where, you know, we haven't seen anything like that in the U.S. And I doubt even the way things are going that we'll see anything like this for a while. But hopefully Canada's program proves very successful. And then, you know, the U.S. can take a page out of their book.
0: Yeah, we we definitely haven't seen anything like this in the U.S. Obviously, marijuana is making some progress. But this when you said that, it re- reminded me of I think it was in 2012 when Ron Paul ran during one of the debates and you know, the moderator that always tried to get Ron Paul with like, you know, some ridiculous thing. Be like, so Ron Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So you want legalized heroin, do you? (laughs) And Ron Paul would be like, yeah. So what if I do? I'll, I'll legalize heroin. Then the crowd will, you know, it's packed with George, bunch of, yeah, bunch of neocons at every. A bunch single of one neocons. Of they all start. They all start booing. And Ron Paul, you know, screams out, "What? You're afraid? You're all going to start to do heroin?" It's, right. Yeah. Raise it's your insane. hand if you're going to
1: go out and do heroin tonight. You know, if it's legalized today, you're going to go do it. No. <laughs> no one's gonna do that.
0: It's crazy. So yeah, I think uh I think it's a good thing. Canada's making a small step, but like we said before, it is a government caused problem. So the only way I think to really solve it and eradicate the problem is to make heroin as legal as lemonade. I don't know, if whatever you want to say. Yeah. I'll get some kids on the street corner. I'll be like, how much? Kids five cents for a
1: stick? Give me it.
0: Well maybe maybe that's a bad analogy. I don't think kids should be doing heroin. I like
1: but, it. No, uh, no, they're not doing it, they're just selling it.
0: <laughs> I don't think kids should be selling
1: heroin. Nah, probably not either.
0: But anyway, that can all be regulated in a more free society in a different way without it being fully prohibited. I think you can you can, you can make some put some measures in place to keep it out of the hands of children. I mean, we're not animals here. We can we can figure out a way. Yeah. So moving on here to a very disturbing case, and I posted this case in the Lions of Liberty forum. If you guys aren't members of the Lions of Liberty forum, be sure to check it out. It is on Facebook. And you can find it by going to Facebook and typing Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top. And we will get you approved as long as you look like a sane person. So be sure to do that to check that out. There were a lot of interesting comments back to my posting here. I think everyone pretty much agreed that the ruling here was insane. And this ruling and this charge here involved a 17-year-old kid who is facing child porn and assault charges for consensual Text messages, sex, and sex that he had with his girlfriend that was videotaped. And the story behind it, you know, the headline itself, you can think, you know, no, how old was this girl? Well, the girl was 15 and this kid was 17. So a two-year difference. I know most states have what they call a, a Romeo and Juliet law or something like that, where there's like a – if a kid's under the age of 18, it's okay if, as long as there's a four-year age gap. But not in this case and not in this state. And what happened here is this, this kid had been dating this girl for a while and says that he had approval of both his parents and her parents. And they had been having sex and they had been exchanging consensually also uh, sex messages. And what set this whole thing off is the 15-year-old girl. So I guess she was like a, a freshman in high school. And I'm not you know, I'm not saying I'm condoning this behavior, these kids having sex. But uh, I'm also not saying that that it's a crime, but... We can talk about that later when I ask Brian if this is a crime and if anyone should do time. But the 15-year-old girl in this case started sending – she sent a sex message to a different kid in her grade, to mm. another 15-year-old kid. little hussy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, you know not, not a good thing to be doing. And this 15-year-old kid showed the message or sent the message to a couple of his friends. And so there were like maybe three or four other kids that saw it. And that's sort of how the uh, how the problem started. A school administrator uh, got a hold of the phone. And then I guess the 15 year old uh, boy actually showed the message to the girl's boyfriend, the 17 year old. Obviously, this made the 17 year old mad. So long story short, what ended up happening here is the 17 year old kid, the boyfriend in this case, ended up getting charged with a class C felony, which carries a maximum sentence of 40 years in prison. Mm. And everyone else in the case, the girl, uh, the three other boys who saw the sex message that the girl sent, none of them were charged. So the only one being charged here is this one 17-year-old kid. He's being charged as an adult. So potentially, this kid's life, would be it would be over. If he gets convicted, his life is essentially over. And everything was consensual between these two teenagers, a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. So, Brian, with with what you know of this story, I'll ask you first, is this a crime and should this kid do time? Absolutely not. And absolutely not.
1: Under, you know, you had mentioned this Romeo and Juliet law, and I guess it's a good idea just to protect kids against this, to have those in place. Of course, this was in Wisconsin, yeah, from reading the article and they don't have one. So that's horrible. But just I hate the absence of common sense in these situations. And this is where, honestly, I hope to God that if it goes to trial, I hope that the jury says, no, we're nullifying this. This is utter bullshit in every way. And I mean, this it this story really, really pisses me off because not only because they're trying to do for basically over their own moral qualms about whether or not these kids should be sexing, if it's consensual and the girl said it was consensual, everybody knows it's consensual. If they're consenting, they're two years apart. They're in high school. Let them do what they're going to do. You may not like it, but that doesn't mean it's illegal and it shouldn't be illegal. And they should, I mean, it, the fact that there's a law in place that, that allows this and says that a 17 year old can be tried as an adult just in this situation is absurd. And on top of that, too, we talked about earlier how parents teach their kids to trust cops. And in this situation, it was a cop assigned to a school. You know, there's some name for it, a something officer. That's a police officer that walks around a school, full-time gig, that saw that like it wasn't even the main kid, uh, whatever his name was, Alex or something. It was this other kid that the girl sent a picture to when he's showing it around to his friends. And the cop, that's how the cop saw it. And he pulls over this kid. It wasn't even this kid that was showing the picture around. He pulls him over and says, give me your phone. And then he finds other pictures, so really what he's going to trial for isn't even what initially started this. It wasn't even the picture that triggered it that this girl sent. It was all this other stuff on his phone because the kid foolishly trusted this cop who told him, according to his testimony, that he was just going to look and delete it. Of course, that didn't happen. Cop took the phone, reported it. And now that piece of you know what is going to be the one responsible for putting this kid in jail for a potentially 40 years. And that yeah. makes me absolutely sick.
0: It's disgusting. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we get an update to this story, you know, in a couple of weeks or so or months that all the charges are thrown out. And thankfully, this kid can go back to living his life and becoming a valuable member of society. Hopefully that happens, but I don't know if it will. And you, that was a good point you made there, Brian, that it wasn't even the 17-year-old that was circulating the pictures around. It was this one 15-year-old kid had the picture sent i think it was a snapchat and he saved he saved the picture and then sent it to some friends and then you know that got around and and this cop that was in the school heard about it and what people should be asking is why is this cop asking to see a picture and seeing a picture of a 15 year old girl exactly right and ridiculous why
1: is it your business shouldn't you be going to jail for child pornography since you're the one looking at this then give me a break
0: It's so messed up. It's so upside down. And the kid, the 17 year old kid
1: didn't share any of this stuff. He did everything apart from, I guess, quote unquote, breaking the law by receiving videos and sexy pictures from his girlfriend. I guess he was sending some back and taping, you know, taping their tryst. But consensually, he didn't show them to anybody. He did what you would want if your daughter did something horrible like this. Well, not horrible. I'm not saying it's horrible. Did something that you would not approve of. and and sent nudie pics to somebody, wouldn't you be overjoyed that the kid didn't show them to everybody else?
0: You know, it's just, well, I'll tell you what, if, if I, if I was the parents involved in this and you know, all parents are different and they can raise their kids how they want to, but I I would not be overjoyed about any part of this situation. Uh, Neither would I, but I'd be happy you didn't share them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good aspect of it for sure. But yeah, it's just, you said it, this is, It's disgusting. It's disgusting. That the cops and the legal system, the criminal justice system is coming down on this kid. He didn't do anything wrong. He did not commit a crime. So there's really not much else to say about it than that. It's awful. The only other thing I can say about it is that
1: people should share this story as far and wide as they can on social media and express your outrage about it so that hopefully it gets enough media attention to grow to the point where they say, you know what, we got to drop this because we're going to get a firestorm of shit rain down on our heads if we pursue this. And hopefully they make a Romeo and Juliet law, even though you shouldn't even need it. Hopefully they put one in place so that stuff like this doesn't happen again.
0: Yeah. And you can share the story. You can share this podcast. Um, you know, this is a, uh, I think it's a great podcast to share. This is, as you've been listening to this episode of Felony Friday, if you're new to the show, this is one of our more conversational shows. We also do have interviews. I talked about an interview with Eddie Craig, episode 34, an interview with uh, with Aaron Murphy as well. That one's fantastic, the TNA by Expert. the way. Fantastic yeah, episode. That's- yeah, if you're not doing anything after listening to this episode I would. and uh, you haven't heard it, I would turn back and check out that episode with Aaron Murphy. I will link to it in the show notes, lionsofliberty.com FF39. And in the show notes, you can also find links to all the stories that we talked about today. So, Brian, thank you once again for a third time, third time's the charm, for coming on Felony yeah, Friday. Thank you for having me, man. I love coming on. Anytime. All right, man. We'll keep up the good work with Mr. Johnson's Liberty Hood. I'm loving that
1: show. Hopefully Gary can keep up the good work. That's the real question. Can he? Can Bill Weld? There's only one Uh, way to find out. By listening to Mr. Johnson's Liberty Hood, you can find that at lionsofliberty.com forward slash Gary.
0: So check that out. And uh, all right, Brian, thank you once again. I'll talk to you later. All right. Okay, guys, I'm going to keep my conclusion very brief today. I just want to say one thing. If you have not yet subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast on iTunes, please consider doing so. And please consider also leaving us a five-star rating and a review. This would help us out tremendously, and we would greatly appreciate it. Or if you don't have iTunes, if you don't have an iPhone, you can subscribe uh, using Stitcher Radio, the Stitcher Radio app, or a number of other podcast apps. Please consider doing that. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. As always, this is John Odermatt signing off. Remember to keep your head up and the fire is the liberty burning.